Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come here at Charlestown Road. We welcome all of our listeners. We're glad you could be with us. This last week, Jason gave a lesson about sounding forth the Word of God based on the book of First Thessalonians. And we're kind of doing a one-two punch here. Uh, he preached this past week about evangelism as it went out. And this coming week, I'm going to talk about evangelism more on the personal level. But it, it is a is a very important aspect of our work, our discipleship. And Jason, I'll let you kind of highlight parts of that sermon there. And then we will we will talk about uh, particularly this passage, this, this wonderful phrase, the word sounded forth. We want to just stretch that out there and see what does that mean? What did it sound like for those people back then? And what does it look like for us today? Sure. You know, First Thessalonians, I mean, it, it is hard to beat just dissecting what an inspired apostle had to say to one particular local church. And just to watch, especially if there are multiple letters, watch the evolution and the development, hopefully the the progress in maturity. I really like First Thessalonians because we put some pieces together with the book of Acts and, and what he says as the letter develops, and it becomes very clear Paul was not able to be with, in in the flesh, these relatively young brothers and sisters in the faith for very long. He describes being prematurely torn away from them. He was not able to spend as much time in Thessalonica with them as he wished he could. But let me just highlight a few of the the statements in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul says in verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Paul is thankful for these brethren constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There are great foundation stones here to continue building for the sake of the kingdom in Thessalonica. And in verse 4, he describes a little about how these people got to that point. We know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So the the gospel comes to them. And in verse six, he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word. So the gospel comes to Thessalonica. They received it even when there was affliction and persecution around them. They received it with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to believers in surrounding regions. And here is where our key phrase for the sermon came from. Verse 8, not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. It is remarkable to me, Roger, that these people were relatively young in the faith, 
They had, to borrow from our recent Friday study on the Beatitudes, they had a a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. They had single-minded devotion to God. And not only had the gospel changed their lives, but now Thessalonica was a launching pad, a lighthouse, a bullhorn for the gospel, even in the hearts of people who hadn't been walking with Jesus for very long. Yeah, you know what? It is believed by a lot of people that First Thessalonians is Paul's first letter that he wrote. And as you said, it's a young church and young disciples and you know new Christians and how easy it is just to give them a pass because well they're young and they got a lot of growing to do and a lot of experiencing to do but that that wasn't the past they they understood their role they understood how important it was to get that word out and they sounded forth the word you know there's a couple of principles that when we talk about evangelism uh, whether it's it's as a church effort or an individual effort that we really need to appreciate and number one is there's no other means to grow the kingdom yeah um teaching somebody and converting them to christ is the only way the kingdom grows uh, you, you can't go pay somebody to be a Christian. You can't uh, get any other method. That's it. And then secondly, there's no one else who's going to do this other than God's people. Uh, you can't hire an outside agency, and they're going to evangelize for us because uh, if they're not converted themselves, they're not going to convert anyone else. And so so those two areas of responsibility, I think the Thessalonians understood that uh, if if we want our area, we want our community, our city, our state, our nation to know the gospel, it's got to come from us. And the only way we can do this is by sounding forth the word of God. And that's that's just so, so similar to what Jesus would say in Mark 16, what we often call the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That means every continent. That means every nation on that continent. That means every state, every city, every street, every house, and every person in that house. And I think the Thessalonians understood that. And even though they were young and there's some things that, as Paul would write deeper in these letters, that they would need to kind of get straightened out in their minds and their faith, they understood what it means to be saved. And they understood how one needs to be in Jesus. And the words sounded forth from them. Yeah. Now, you know, one of the focal points, obviously, of the sermon was... We understand that's what was said of them. Um, Roger, if you were going to summarize how the word might spread in the first century, you know, I talked a, a little around that, but especially if someone hasn't watched or, or listened to that sermon, when we think of the word sounding forth in the first century, what sort of tools come to mind? Well, first of all, this wasn't done by God. This was done by the Thessalonians. And, and so God, this is what God wants us to do, but the effort and, and the responsibility falls in our hands. So there's an effort that took forth. It took somebody or some bodies to step up to do this. Probably took some finances to help them do this. But, but it really, to me, it comes down to two areas. Number one, writing a letter. 
uh, writing a letter to a family member, writing a letter to somebody you knew in another part of the city, another part of the state. Uh, in the first century, that was slow as molasses. <laughs> you would write a letter, and you'd just have to wait and wait and wait, and that was just a slow process of doing that. The, the other avenue was just telling, just teaching, just people they ran into, people they knew, people they had relationships with. They were so firmly committed to Jesus. They had bought the farm completely. They were all in, we could say, that they were telling people about Jesus. And so really through letter writing and word of mouth, that's how they did that. And Paul, by the time he had picked up some information from them, said this word has gone forth from you. And it hasn't remained in that little church. It spread out. They were busy doing what they could do. And that touched his heart. And heaven saw that. Yeah. Now, you know, one of the fascinating things is even in the last couple of chapters of the book of Acts, if Paul, we know from his writings, Paul really wants to go to Rome. He really wants to share the gospel. He really wants to be face-to-face with brothers and sisters that he's never been physically present with before. But it is a long way from Jerusalem to Rome. If you want to read or know about how difficult it would be to get from Jerusalem to Rome, start reading right around Acts chapter 27 and read to the end of the book of Acts. It was incredibly challenging, expensive, dangerous to get from one to the other so that he could, with his own mouth, boldly proclaim the word of the Lord. It took about two years, if I remember right, by boat, and they went through storms, and there was a shipwreck, and they're on an island, and it's just a calamity after calamity, but that was common back then, and that's how you would do it. And it was a very slow, tedious process. But the heart of Jesus, you know, just compelled them to keep doing what they could do. Sure. Now, Roger, you are a big restoration history buff. And so by the time we get into the 17, 1800s in uh, the way that we reckon time and history, major advancements from the first century, right? Absolutely. Of course, the, the, the biggest one is the printing press and the availability of printing things and reprinting them. And, I mean, we all have copies of our Bible now. It's been printed and printed and printed and printed. And that was a process that for many years was very slow. It got to be a lot faster and a lot faster. So by the time we get to the 1800s here in uh, the Midwest, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Illinois, uh, a lot of those early pioneer preachers, they were writing journals, uh, not not personal journals, but they were writing religious journals. They are writing religious magazines. Magazines and they were being printed and printed and printed and they were being mailed out everywhere. And that just became a Midwest fire as we think about spread everywhere. And that allowed them to go places that they themselves could not go. Uh, they could, they could print things and mail it and that would be read and that would be passed on to someone else. And that's how that restoration spirit 
spread throughout the Midwest here. And uh, the preachers would go as far as they could go preaching. Many of them rode on horseback. I have read accounts of guys who crossed a Wabash River here in Indiana. Uh, the water was up to the horse's neck. Uh, the rider was uh, completely wet just about. He got off the other side, went to some log cabin, dripping wet, and he'd just <laughs> preach, just <laughs> preach. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of us would do that today. Uh, but But that's the way it was. And then came about the locomotive or the train, and they would ride on trains, and how fast that made and how exciting they were that they can go from point A to point B. They can go from state to state now on the trains and on the rails, and they could preach and preach and preach in more places. And what we're seeing is it's the same thing as the uh, First Thessalonians, the words going forth, but now it's going farther and faster and more efficient because of the technology and the means that they had. Okay, so just to be really deliberate here, the Apostle Paul never rode on a locomotive, but not unfaithful for a disciple of Jesus in the 1800s to ride on a locomotive to go and proclaim the gospel. Is that what I hear from you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think if if Paul had a cell phone, he would have used it. (laughs) I think if Paul had uh, a tablet in his hand and he could Zoom, he would have Zoomed. Uh, You know, uh, his mode of, of transportation was mostly walking. If you could afford a chariot, go in the chariot. We remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Where's the eunuch? He's in his chariot. And Philip gets in that chariot. They're riding together, and they see water. And what prevents me from being baptized? He stopped the chariot. They got out, and he was baptized. That was the mode of transportation. Or as you said in the book of Acts, it's getting on the boat and just Sailing the seven seas as, as they did. That's, you know, that's what they did. And so as, as technology and as improvements came along, the disciples of God used that to further the gospel. All right. So obviously at many different periods of history that we could talk about, let's flash forward to when you started preaching, when I started preaching. What, what advantages when you started preaching did you have that someone, let's say Raccoon John Smith or the Apostle Paul, would have loved to have had, but things that you had at your disposal in in your own day and age early on. Early on, of course, uh, I started full-time preaching in 1980. That's where you were born. <laughs> no, I was born in 78. Okay, but just about. <laughs> just about. Just about. <laughs> but... Uh, the sermons that were, were recorded, not very many were recorded back then, they, they were done on cassette tapes. And if a congregation had the means, you had a, a machine to copy one cassette to another cassette. That was expensive. It was hard to do. But that's how you passed them on. You passed on these cassettes to other people, and they would re-listen to sermons. And before that, basically a sermon was preached, and that was it. It died. It never was heard again. But this way, sermons could be listened again and again and again. Uh, when I first started preaching, we used mimeograph machines, and and so we could copy class material, and we could make that more available to people. We could, uh, uh, from that, we had 
copy machines or Xerox machines, and you could put some things on a machine and make multiple copies. A lot of bulletins were written that way, and, and they were just copied, and they were mailed out all over the country. And again, what you're doing is you, that little circle is getting wider and wider of all the things that can be done. You know, for I think for many years, that, that little circle going to all the world was about five blocks around the church building <laughs> because that, that was about all that could be done. But now uh, things can be done. You can mail that cassette to a family member on the other side of the country. You can mail bulletins. I used to do that a lot, just mail bulletins all over the uh, creation to people. And they would read these articles, and their hearts would be touched, and some would have questions, and they would write you, and you'd have to write them back. Again, when I first started, there were no email, and so you just had to wait for the postman, and that kind of took a while. But that, But again, what we were doing, same thing as the Thessalonians, we're yeah. sending forth the word. But we're using the tools that we had, and it was better than the Restoration days, and that was better than the first century world. Yeah, and clearly, I I mean, (laughs) no spoiler here, you and I both believe that the tools we have available today are better than they have ever been. It is absolutely remarkable to me that as we record this, we are talking into two different microphones hooked up to a computer. It is a very low-cost enterprise, especially compared to just a couple of decades ago when we talk about the power of a radio program. You've been on the radio. I've been on the radio. There is a lot of good that could be done by the radio, but two different things come to my mind. Number one, it is not cheap, a whole lot more expensive than any modern podcast. And number two, you are broadcasting out and you have no idea who is listening. You have no way to really get those people, let's say, use a modern word, subscribed, where every time you have something new to say, well, it's automatically going to connect to them. The The audience is wide, 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 broad, very unfocused, and it is very expensive to use. And, and it was limited. I mean, some some of the major radio stations would, would proudly say we're broadcasting on 50,000 watts, you know, and, <laughs> and, and that was a circle that maybe, especially at nighttime, maybe you could pick up a radio station uh, from Cleveland if you lived in Indiana. It had to be the right time and the weather had to be right, and maybe you could do that. Uh, what we're doing today, it goes all over the world all over the world, and we have evidence of that. Yeah. People in multiple countries that can listen to this, um, and, and just an instant, you can send an email to someone in another nation, and, and we do that all the time here. And so uh, the principle has not changed. The word is being sounded forth. We're sending the word out. But what we're doing is we're trying to find the best, fastest, most efficient way to reach the most people possible. And again, of all the times I've seen from the first century, as we read those in the pages, as I studied restoration history early in my life, man, this is the best. 
There's so much that can be done, so easy to do it, from social media to other avenues we have to get that message out to so many people today. Yeah, we in the sermon this past Sunday morning, I, I talked just a little bit about this potential that is absolutely incredible. But just as one uh, example of what you're talking about, let's just talk about this one podcast. There are lots of good Bible-based podcasts out there. Let's just talk about the Heaven Bound podcast for a moment. Uh, The United States is the country in which the majority of people listen and subscribe. But podcasts, the, the interesting thing about them versus the radio is you can learn so much about your audience. And so let me just tell you the top 10 countries as far as listeners to this podcast, other than the United States, Canada, our neighbors to the north, then we go a long way the Philippines, Australia, Bosnia. Who knew there were people listening in Bosnia? China is number five. Fiji, France, Ghana, India, and Italy. We could go on. That's just the top 10 other than the United States. Roger, can you imagine what it would cost to have some sort of a broadcast just 20 years ago to reach that far or or if we were to mail something to these folks yeah. uh, i mean it 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 would cost so much in postage it would take a long time for it to get there um and and you know just just the tools we have are so powerful today and and you and i've talked about this this uh illustration of Jesus in Luke chapter 8 of the parable of the sower. Yeah. Uh, the principle is the same. Uh, the, the farmer today has to get the seed into the soil. Uh, a farmer today could do exactly what Jesus did in that story. He could he could grab a bag, of, a bag of seed, walk up and down a field as far as he could go until he got tired, just throw that seed out there everywhere, and in time he'll have a crop. That still works. But today's farmers will have computerized tractors that can plant 21 or more rows at a time, hybrid seed, and drones they, flying above. Drones <laughs> flying above. They, 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 they know the weather forecast in advance. They can do acres upon acres upon acres in an eight-hour day where that one man walking with that sack, he's limited. Now, at the end of the day, they both have planted. They both have. But one was a lot more effective because he used the tools of his time. Yeah, yeah. And the big point of all of this is the mission hasn't changed, right? The mission is to sound forth the word of the Lord. And so this past Sunday, we just spent a little bit of time talking about how that has been done throughout history, but trying to get disciples today to think that, okay, you don't have to be on Facebook in order to go to heaven. You don't have to be active on Facebook in order to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. But billions of people are. And if you've got a Facebook account, you've got the opportunity to help sound forth the word of the Lord. If you've got email, if you've got texting, if you've got other social media accounts to connect with people, whatever it is, 
the goal is still the same. People need the saving message of Jesus Christ. Every once in a while, we need to pause and appreciate, thank God for the tools that we have, and then use them in the work. Now, Roger, and, and, you oh, well, go ahead. Well, yeah, let, let me let me just jump in there. A couple other things, and and in our times today, it is so easy just to hit that share button. Yeah. You just, you just yeah. hit that share button. And in this congregation, <clears throat> we're putting out quotes every day. We are putting out a blog every day. We're putting out three podcasts every week. There, there are just tools and tools and tools. And, and maybe you say, you know what? I'm, I'm not well versed in certain things or I'm not real good at words. Or, I don't, I'm not real. All you have to do is share. Yeah. share. And, and you have your list of friends. I have my list of friends. And the more we sound forth that gospel, the more it does. Now, behind all this, all the way back to the book of 1 Thessalonians is it took people to be engaged to this effort and it took some people to fund it. Yeah. And and that's, that has never changed. Whether we talk about the restoration days, we talk about my early days of preaching or even today, it still takes a two, it takes, we have a network of people here that help us. Uh, I'm on one side of this table and I, I can talk. I, I've always been able to talk. I can talk in a microphone. On Jason's side of the table, he's got all kinds of buttons <laughs> and, and they're all colorful and I want to push them off. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't, I don't sit on that side of the table. I don't know what those buttons do. When Jason Jason and I are in the pulpit. We have a group of guys who are up in the media booth, and they are live streaming, and they are doing this, and they're doing that, and and they allow us to preach, but not just to preach. That sermon that we preach on Sunday can be heard four years from now, if the Lord allows, can be heard 20 years from now because of the way technology is. And that's just a powerful, powerful way of doing that. So you hear a sermon, maybe it's on the subject of death, maybe it's on something about salvation. And three, four, five months later on, somebody in your family, somebody at work, you think, you know what? I wish I could have that sermon because that would really help them. You can go to archives of our place and lots of congregations and pull out one of those sermons and send it, share it with this friend and say, hey, this really helped me. This can help you. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that summary. Now, very quickly, obviously, it is not simply using technology to broadcast all the way to the Philippines, and that's what your sermon this next Sunday is going to be about. Absolutely. We're going to talk about personal evangelism. It also involves across the street and involves me personally talking to somebody about Jesus. And so this Sunday, we're going to be looking at that. We're going to look at some aspects of, of evangelizing, and that, that's one of those topics that gets everybody kind of scared and guilt-filled, but we're going to show you it's not that way. It shouldn't be that way. And how what a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to tell someone else what someone told us, and that's the saving message of Jesus. Yeah. Tonight, of course, is our next-to-last session in our Wednesday evening summer series. Jeremy Bard from the Indianapolis area is coming our way in our Higher Ground series. He's going to speak to us, New Heights I'm Gaining Every Day. That's at 7 o'clock p.m. tonight. This coming Sunday, as Roger said, the second of our little one-two punch We appreciate so much you listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. We would love to have you come and grow with us.